Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Bank of Nova Scotia economist writing in a letter to clients, warning that any new big spending programs initiated by the Trudeau government will only drive inflation further upward. And again, it just registered 4.7% increase over the last, what, since it was, what it, over what it was 18 years ago. Uh, and we're expecting that Finance Minister Freeland is going to be announcing billions and billions and billions of additional spending when they have their first um, statement on spending, whatever they're going to call it, in, uh, in a short while since the election. So let's get at this with somebody who really knows what they're talking about, Professor Eric Cam, Professor of Macroeconomics at Ryerson University in Toronto. Professor Cam, a great favorite of this program. Professor Cam, thank you very much for the time. First of all, what do you make of the inflationary trend? And what are your concerns? Do you have similar concerns to the economist from the Bank of Nova Scotia who said, hey, massive spending by the federal government will just drive it further? Well, that person is 100% right. Um, and you know what? Today, that isn't making um, them special. I mean, it, it is true that, you know, inflation, the problem with inflation uh, in a historical sense is that, Roy, we haven't had any in a very long time. And we, we've dealt with some unemployment spills here and some unemployment spills there and some international trade issues here and there. But really, unless you are over the age of 40, you probably don't remember inflation being a crisis in this country. But as you have pointed out correctly, and I remember from being uh, 11, 12 years old, uh, I remember people walking away from their homes when their debt levels became more than the house was worth. So I think one of the problems here is that it's just, it's brand new. It's brand new to a generation of people to have prices rising. It, it's very, very in to complain about real wages not going up fast enough. But that's the, as we say, that's the numerator of the fraction. For the first time in a long time, we have to worry about the denominator. The denominator, which is prices, is going up much faster than anything in the numerator. So I have to ask the good listenership that we really have to start thinking in real terms. Don't worry for the first time so much about wage gains that you may get in a contract, because trust me, right now, any wage gains that you're getting are being way outpaced by increases in the price. And as we use the term real wages, they are falling, Roy. And anytime real wages fall in an economy, that is that that's just not a good foreshadow of what's coming next. Yeah. So what's happening where we are now? And then I'll ask you to project where we may be in a year or two. I know that's hard to do. But uh, what's happening to people's investments, to their retirement, to their savings. What is inflation doing as far as eroding that nest egg is concerned? Well, uh, I hate to be repetitive, but uh, it is eroding that, that nest egg. I mean, it's exactly what happens. Anytime you have a prolonged sense of inflation and the general price level going up, there are just some tried and true issues that follow it. One is uncertainty. People don't know where to invest. So they tend to soak their cash away. Well, that's fine um, if you're risk averse, but it doesn't help in, in, in getting close to retirement if your money isn't earning you money. It tends to redistribute income, not in the ways we want it to. It doesn't seem to redistribute it in any way to help people that are impoverished. The costs of fighting inflation are terribly high. 
And if you're not fighting inflation, Roy, you know that you can use those economic efforts towards doing all th other things in the economy. But to long-windedly answer your question, what is the biggest problem in an inflationary phase? Number one, real incomes are falling. For the very first time in a long time, with inflation hovering around 4%, which we know is outside of what the Bank of Canada considers healthy, real incomes, real wages, purchasing power are falling. And then as 1B, bondholders are losing out because they bought their government bonds with some interest rates that are around 6%, 5%, 4%. And now you start to have inflation and the value of those bonds starts to fall. So it does, as you predicted, nothing good in terms of retirement, nothing good in terms of purchasing power. In fact, inflation tends to do not much good for the economy and the government has to fight it at some point. Yeah. So what is the antidote? It's hard to say. It's hard to say right now because we're a little bit stuck. You know, we have a puzzle going on and macroeconomists, me included, are always concerned when there's puzzles because theory says that if one thing happens, well, another thing should happen. And one of them is if the unemployment rate is high, job vacancies should be low. And right now we have this very strange macroeconomic puzzle because we have a high unemployment rate and a high job vacancy rate. So we've got some very, very odd things going on in the labor market. The frictions that are caused by the, su the supply disruptions are really playing games. They're really throwing wedges into the labor market. And so the recovery of wages is very slow, especially in lower wage jobs. And the, sh and the shortages, as we pointed out, number one is are in skilled trades. Number one are in skilled trades that are seeing their wages getting eroded in real terms. So what can the government do? Well, it has to go back to when it used to have the 2% solution. Uh, it was one of the things that they brought in in the 1980s to say we have got to target the inflation rate because if prices go up too fast, then really wages mean nothing. I always joke with students, what do you think the money in your wallet is worth because it's not worth what it was 10 minutes ago. So my prescription for the Bank of Canada, and, and the Bank of Canada knows this because Tiff Macklem is at least as smart, if not smarter than me, is they have to get back to getting that 2%, plus or minus 2% as an inflation target. And as much as people aren't going to like to hear it, they're going to have to start creeping up with the rate of interest. They're going to have to take the prime and raise it a bit. There's just too much money out in the economy. There was too much money given out by the Trudeau government. And, and I'm getting too many tweets saying, please stop bashing the government. So I'll stop bashing the government for a bit. But there's too many people chasing too much money. And they've got to get back to inflation targeting. They've got to get back to raising the prime rate. Not a lot. Not one, two, five percent that's going to put the economy into a huge tailspin. But they've got to start controlling the amount of money in the economy, Roy. So I'm not telling you anything that you can't get out of a macroeconomics textbook, but the Bank of Canada has to go back to doing what it does best. Yeah, and there have been times in relatively recent times, in fact, in some parts of the world, it's still going on, where you literally fill a wheelbarrow full of money printed by the government money presses to get a loaf of bread. Well, that's right. And you know, you can go to places historically like Brazil and Argentina and Israel, and you can just watch the value of your money erode minute by minute, hour by hour. Now, we're not there. 
let's not let's look out the window we don't see chaos but you know what we don't want to see chaos so we really no. need a combination of the government and the bank of canada to go back to doing what they know how to do because they did it for about 25 years and they did it successfully there is a roadmap there is a light at the end of the tunnel but you know it was like serb when you and i said a year ago uh mr trudeau you've got to start slowing down the amount of money you give out well dr macklem it's time to start doing what the central bank we know can do successfully. And if Minister Freeland decides to spend many billions of dollars, additional dollars, on government programs, that light in the end of the tunnel will prove to be the proverbial oncoming train. It'll prove to be the oncoming train of so many things. It will fuel inflation. It will fuel debt. It will fuel deficit. That's not that's not the answer. And, I, you know, again, I won't bash the government for the next you know 20 minutes until I'm on your show again. But, you know, the government's got to start thinking, with all due respect, like macroeconomists are trained to think that it is not an endless well. And I know that there's this theory of, well, it's not going to happen in my term of office. But you know what? We both know, Roy, that's very, very poor governmenting. You have to be of the people, by the people, for the people. And right now, they are not operating in the interest of the people. And I'm just left to shake my head sometimes and say, okay, then if you're not going to do it, the Bank of Canada has to do it. And yeah. I actually think that they know that. So, Professor Cam, we look at the crisis in Europe. We see countries starting to say, hey, we may not export because we have to take care of our domestic markets first. Yeah, we know we have EU obligations, but we have to take care of our own folks, which could turn country against country, certainly exacerbate the existing energy crisis. How do you evaluate that? And what's your sense about what may, in fact, happen in Canada as far as energy is concerned? You know, Roy, it's funny. This is a really depressing topic uh, in a lot of ways, because one thing that economists don't like to do is see where there could have been gains that were just um, fumbled, to use a football analogy. Um, and, and that's where we are. I mean, you know, Europe is having a climate obsession and they're having a war and it's sending fuel prices going like crazy. And that global energy crisis could have been a bit of a bonanza for oil and gas rich countries like Canada. But when you think about the pressure that you get from the environmental activists and from um, government inefficiencies that block things like pipelines and infrastructure, then you really dampen the enthusiasm of investors to, to uh, expand their production. So what do I think? I mean, I think that we have to really look at ourselves, look in the mirror and see what we see. I mean, we stand alone right now alone in oil and gas production of, of, of carbon taxes and how high they are. And they're going to rise to $170, they're guessing, per ton by 2030. But here's the problem. Gasoline prices are already 30 to 35 percent higher in the last year. So the assumption is that taxes diminish consumption. But you know what? They don't. Canada's high carbon tax becomes counterproductive to me when it causes more damage, like higher energy prices and reduced economic growth then it does climate change. And the, and the sad part, to sum that all up in two words, is comparative advantage. Canada had a comparative advantage in producing oil and gas, and we effectively gave it up for something like a carbon tax, which is never going to meet the goals that it was intended. And so for me, Roy, it's just sad because it's like saying you know the game plan, you know what's going what's gonna to win your team the game, 
But let's follow another model just to see what happens if we go down that road. And I think it's a shame. Yeah, it's like being the quarterback and saying, let me see if I, what's, what would happen if I just threw this ball to that guy over there who's wearing a different color sweater to mine? Well, that's right. You know, emissions as they are, are being reduced primarily by innovative technologies and not taxes. And Canada says, we don't care. We're going to throw taxes at it. We're not going to be innovative. We're not going to be new. We're not going to be different. And we're not going to follow models around the world that have worked. We're going to tax it. And we are going to learn the hard way, sadly, that sometimes taxes don't solve problems. But liberal governments God bless them, have a hard time wrapping their heads around that sometimes. Do you know, when we talk about in Europe, for example, where the countries are saying, we'll take care of our domestic markets first, then we'll start to think about you. I know we have contractual agreements, we have treaties and obligations, but nevertheless, our responsibility as a national government is to look after our people, so you guys will come next, if you come at all. We can't even do that in this country. We can't even look after ourselves because we don't have the kind of pipeline infrastructure and infrastructure to get our energy to our own consumers. We are now dependent on other countries to bring energy to us, which and just a few years ago, Professor Camus, you well know better than I, this country was seen as a source of international energy export. This is what I'm saying, Roy. We had a comparative advantage. We were on the precipice of not needing other countries to the point of telling them where to take their high prices and put them comfortably, and we gave it away. We gave it away because we tried to do something that I think a lot of people knew was foolhardy and was never, ever going to reach intended targets. And so we just took the ball once again, and we handed it to the other team and said, here, you can run with this. We don't need it. And it, it honestly honestly, as an economist, could make you cry. Yeah, and we didn't even do anything to block them after we gave them the ball. We just cleared the path for them, which is absolutely ridiculous and dangerous. So you and I are probably both getting get into trouble if we keep going now. Well, you're, well, ten, you're tenured, I'm not, so. Well, you. allow me to say this. Uh, my Miami Dolphins won today, and I wish your Dallas Cowboys the best of luck against the Kansas City Chiefs. How about we leave it there? <laughs> How about that? If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.